Today I want to talk about habit patterns. It's, it's a new series we're beginning. You, you realize that the habits you put in place will determine the course of your life. Aren't you tired of going around the same mountain year after year? I mean, doesn't it frustrate you to keep dealing with the same issues again and again and again and, and never really gaining traction, never really moving forward? There is a way to grow and to get better. Somebody say, I'm going to get better. There are some things you can do, some habit patterns you can put in place that will guarantee you will get better and you will grow. Amen. Amen. Leadership guru John Maxwell says, I'm not the person today I was five years ago. And you shouldn't be either. Because you got to ask the question, have, have I gotten better and grown or have I gone the other way? Because you're either gaining ground or you're losing ground. There's no stagnant life. You can't stay the same. You just, you're either going backwards or you're going forward. John, John Maxwell says growth is the only guarantee tomorrow will get better. The calendar guarantees you will get older. The calendar does not guarantee that you will get better. The only growth does that. And I can't stop the calendar, but I can control my mind. Amen. Arnold Bennett says, your own mind is a sacred enclosure into which nothing harmful can enter except by your permission. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 in the Passion Translation says, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts. Somebody say, fill your thoughts. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. How many of you know that, that the realities of heaven are real? And what we see in this natural earth is going to burn up at some point. It's all going away by fire. First Peter declares that. The Word of God says everything you see is temporary. Your body is temporary. Some of you are excited about that. The great news is there are heavenly realities. And God wants you to focus and fill your thoughts, fill your mind with heavenly realities and not the distractions of this natural realm. We get so focused sometimes on the natural realm that we miss out on what God has for us supernaturally, for what's coming. We get so fixated on this 70, 80, 90, 100 years of living that we forget eternity is coming. And that's what really matters. And so we've got to fix our thoughts. We've got to fill our minds with the right things. I can't stop the calendar, but I can put some key habits in place that will assure I will get better. If, if you want to, and I've had people say this to me, I, I wish I had what you had. I wish I, I was at spiritually where you're at. If you want to be where somebody you, you admire spiritually, if you want what they've got, 
then you've got to do what they did to get where they are. You can't just wish yourself into that, hope yourself into that, hang around them and become like that. You've got to do what they did. You've got to put the habits in place that they put in place to get to where they are. They've made some choices. They've made some decisions years ago to grow. They made some decisions to develop. They made some decisions to get mature and not to stay where they were. And you admire them, but you say, hey, I want to get there. Then you got to do what they did. Galatians 5.1 says, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. And we must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I think there's got to come a point in your life where you just say, you know what? I'm going to stubbornly refuse to go back. I can't do this anymore like this because I've been going around the same thing again and again and again. You got to make up your mind. You got to make some choices. You got to do some things, put some habits in place. How do you stubbornly refuse to go back into bondage? Well, you put some things into place that will guarantee you'll never go back. There's some key habits in life that if you'll put them into place, they will be the fuel for other good habits that will take you to where you want to be. You're not just drifting. I just hoping. As I commit myself to grow, I will get better. And the key habits I place in my life will trigger other habits and they will take me to my desired haven. So let me talk about some key pattern habit patterns. Number one, and these are not in necessarily in the, the order that, that they're going to be important in your life, but this is the one I want to talk about today. Key habit pattern number one, being connected to the body of Christ through a local church. His church. His family. Being a part of a local church is vital to your growth as a Christian. It's vital to your character. When you remove yourself from the church, you're on your own. You are vulnerable. You're out from underneath the umbrella of protection. How many of you know that there is an umbrella of protection God has for you? And if you'll stay under the umbrella, there's protection. But as soon as you rebel and move outside of the umbrella of protection, you're on your own. It's the same way in the family. God says, honor your father and mother. You do that, you'll have a long life on this earth. You're under the umbrella of protection, what he's placed over you. And so many of us, we, we think, ah, I can do it on my own. I, I get out of here. I'm tired of these rules and regulations. So we join the army. <laughs> How's that working for you? It's the same in the church. There is an umbrella of protection God has placed over you. When you remove yourself from the church... You are unknown. You're apart from the flock. You're easy prey. You have no one to care for you, no one to celebrate with you, 
No one to pray for you. No one to encourage you. No one to discipline you. No one to disciple you. No one to rejoice with you. It's a dangerous place to be as a child of God. Removed. When you remove yourself from the church, you become disconnected and disjointed. And you're smart enough to know that if you take a hot coal from inside the fire and you place it outside of the fire by itself, it doesn't take long for that coal to get nice and cold. It's just what naturally happens. You remove it from the rest of the hot coals and set it over here. You know my obsession with McDonald's French fries. Come on, baby. There, there's nothing better. I, I think, I'm just saying, I, I think they're probably going to be at the marriage supper of the land. But they're going to be fresh. Did you know you can order fresh fries? Even in the drive-thru. You can order fresh fries and they will make them fresh for you as soon as you get to the window because you'll have to pull up and wait. They're going to bring them right out to you. Just a little hint there. You, you can do that, and it's amazing. But I've watched people eat their fries wrong. They take that nice red packet, and they just spray them all over the, the tray. Dude, you're losing. Because when they separate, they get cold. And cold fries are not worth it. Not worth the calories. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen. But when they're hot and fresh and you keep them all together in the packet, they feed off each other. The warmth stays there and it's fresh to the last fry, salty and mmm. And I don't eat them as much as I used to since I had my heart attack, but it's it's still one of my go-tos. Come on. It is not good for man to be alone. When you disconnect from church, you start to dry up. You start to drift spiritually. It's just what happens. And many of you can attest to that. You could raise your hand right now and say, I know, I've been there. Been there. I I disconnected for a while and and I got cold. Right? Let Let me see your hand. You did that. Come on, look around. Check it out. You did that for a while. And you realize, this is not the way I can grow and become what God wants me to be. We really do need each other. We are stronger. We're better together. Psalm 92 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. But how are they going to do that? Plant it. Planted in the house of the Lord. They're not going to flourish and grow. They're not going to do that apart from being planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He's my rock. There's no wickedness in him. I live with a woman who is passionate about planting. 
my, she knew my family was coming, and so she, early, early on, she said, we got to get the plants and the planters. And she obsesses over these plants. This last week, we had to go buy plant food. We did. And now she's spraying the plant food on the plants, and they're going, oh. They're flourishing because they're planted. You can flourish as well in the house of God. And you need to. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. And build up the church, the body of Christ. This building is not the church. We, God's people, are the church. We're the body of Christ. And he says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We're going to grow together. We're going to become just like Jesus. Then verse 14 says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with Lies so clever, they sound like truth. And see, there's a lot of stuff going around. And you got to stay in the Word. you got to stay near God's people so when something even sounds like truth, but you know it's not, you can't be easily swayed. Instead, he says, we will speak the truth in love. Growing. Somebody say growing. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, you got a job to do. Amen. Did you know that? In the family of God, in the house of God, as each part, part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, Full of love. I'd say it's time to grow up. It's time to get planted in the house of the Lord. Don't run away from growth. Don't run away from maturity. You're a vital part of what God wants to do in this house, in the body of Christ here at the power place. And we all need you. We need what you bring. We need you to do your own special work so that we all grow healthy. A new study I read shows that nearly 75% of people struggle with loneliness in their lives. Loneliness appears to be widespread among Americans, affecting three out of every four people, researchers have found. People suffering from loneliness, <coughs> they tended to have more depression, anxiety, and stress in their lives. The study authors added According to Craig Salchuk, Chair of Integrated Behavioral Health at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, loneliness and its accompanying emotional turmoil can harm a person's physical health. So according to this research, not being connected to the body of Christ could actually be detrimental to your health as a Christian. Just saying. Because you're susceptible 
If you stay in the hot coals, you stay in that nice red package with the golden arches on it. I'm hungry right now. I don't, I don't know about anybody else. All I had this morning was a spoonful of peanut butter. It's not going too far right now. For me, church was life. Growing up, at, I grew up at Seneca Assembly of God. We later changed the name to Colonial Heights Assembly of God. But I had hundreds of moms and dads and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters spiritually that kept me in line. I, I, I've gone back there to preach and I've had people come up to me and go, Greg, we never really thought you'd amount to much. Thank you for the confidence. <laughs> but they kept me in line, and they pushed me to grow up. In fact, my activities revolved around what was happening at church. Sports took a back seat to church. Everything took a back seat to church. In fact, my mom, she actually fasted and prayed me off of the high school basketball team and never told me about it until I was a youth pastor many years later. She told my youth group. Because all I remember was when I got cut from the team, I came home, I was crying, man. I was upset. I was, I was dejected. And she just wrapped me up and said, it's okay, it's okay. God's got other things for you. She was fasting and praying that I would get cut. There's some things you just ponder in your heart as a parent. You don't spill all the beans. And then she tells my youth group, I don't know, 15 years later, yeah, you know, uh, when Greg was heading down a path, I saw him going in the wrong direction. I began to fast and pray. Now, I'm meeting moms and dads who are fasting and praying for their kids to get on the team. And that, that team is taking them away from everything godly. And they're excited about it. Listen, if your kid's that good, I know, I know some athletes one of them attends our church. And when he was in high school, he said, Coach, I know you want me to play. And he was good. He said, but I can't make Wednesday night practice. That's my youth group. If we got any games on Wednesday, I can't be there. It's your choice. Do you want me on the team or not? Coach is like, absolutely, I want you on the team. Because we're not that good without you. And, and sometimes as parents, we need to set some parameters and boundaries for our kids for their future. Not their future in sports. I'm sorry, your kid is good, but he's not that good. Sorry. Maybe he is, and that's great. And if that's his course of life, praise God. But more times than not, we set our children up for spiritual suicide. 
And, and I know I'm ruffling feathers. I don't care. Because the truth is the truth. Colossians, remember, he said, don't, don't get heavenly realities. Don't get, don't get filled with, with uh, that natural stuff. Focus. Fill your mind with heavenly realities. I mean, I played basketball in college. I went on to play college ball. And I did okay, even without the skills that I would have gained in high school basketball. I play for our church league. I'm old. I can't play that good anymore, but I can play golf. I'm just saying your body's going to waste away, folks. At some point, you're going you're to come to a point where you can't do what you thought you could do. Amen. And then what's left? Invest in what is most important. <coughs> Online church is a great second option when you can't make it to church. But we all need real, physical, human contact in a virtual reality world. And parents, li listen to me. You set the example. You set the example in how you live. Anything that trumps church, trumps God, your kids are watching. They, they, they realize, yeah, it, they talk about it, but it's not that big a deal. And so they follow. It, it's those, those footsteps you thought you covered up that your kids follow in. Amen. In the church, in a church home, in the family of God, just like in any other family, there are some expectations. Look at your neighbor and say, there's some expectations. You're expected to contribute and not just consume. In your family, at home, you're expected. It's part of being the family. You don't just hang out and consume everything. If you do, your parents need to shape up. Amen. They need to grow up and hold you to the fire. There are some expectations. You're expected to contribute and, and not just consume. And according to Jesus, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So it's a healthier lifestyle to be a part of the church because you're contributing, you're giving, and so you're blessed. Just like in a healthy home, you are held accountable. You're called to a higher standard. Amen. Well, you can get away with stuff at school. Don't try that around the family. You're known, not just for your outward persona, but for who you truly are. You can't hide. And that's a good thing. You have to learn how to get along with your brothers and sisters. What? That's part of growing up. It's part of becoming mature. Because family calls you out, and they call you up. They call you to greatness. Family speaks life into you. Come on, you can do this. Remember who you are. Remember who you represent. 
You carry the family name. Come on, let's go. You're better than that. I hated it when my dad said that to me. I'd be going out with my friends and said, remember who you are. Man, now I have to act right. So you don't just represent us. You represent Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Human body has many parts. The many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Don't remove yourself from where God wants you. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weak, weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. The parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So <coughs> God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part's honored, all the parts are glad. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm with you. We're connected. Come on. Listen, your hand is great, it's functional, as long as it's connected to your body and can receive signals from the head, from the brain to function properly. If you disconnect your hand, it's pretty useless. Cut it off, watch what happens. Don't live disconnected. We all know this, this, the, uh, the proverb that says, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, iron sharpening iron actually takes intentional contact. It takes intentional contact. It, it's not real pretty. It, it's that it sparks fly at times. But that's how the iron sharpens each other. And God has called us as the body of Christ, as the family of God here at the power place, to sharpen one another. That's why we have power groups. They're vital. Some of you have grown more in a power group than you have sitting in this room for years. Because you're in a small group, you're sharpening one another, you're sharing things, and, and people are sharing with you, and they're like, dude, you can do better than that. Come on. You, you got more in you than that, and, and you're sharpening one another. 
our power groups, our, our student groups, our young adults groups, our kids groups, our men's and women's classes. When we get together, we sharpen one another. It's, it's intentional contact. So we've got to get plugged into some key habits that will help us to grow up. Amen. The band will come, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. And I love this in verse 24. This is the Passion Translation. <coughs> Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. The NIV says it this way, hold, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, we got a few cowboys in the room. You know what spurs are all about. You put the spurs on to get the horse to move going in the right direction. And, and I love that, that the writer of Hebrews uses this word. He says, spur one another on. Ooh, ow, hey, ooh, really? How, we spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching, the day where Jesus Christ is coming back again. And now's the time to hang together, folks. It's not time to jump ship. It's not time to say, eh, I just, I got to get out of here. I, too, too confining here. Because oh. maybe God's squeezing you. He's doing something in your heart because he wants you to grow up. How many ran away from your parents wanting you to grow up? Maybe you didn't leave physically, but you left mentally and, and you're like, I'm out of here. I, I don't want this anymore. Because you didn't understand what they were doing was to trying to get you to be better so you could function in the world. And God's got a plan for you, folks. Power place, God has a plan for you. And we need to put this key habit pattern in place where we become connected